All right, so we are in a study in the Gospel of Luke, and we started a few months ago. We'll probably be in Luke for the next five years, uh, but that's okay, because he's a good guy. It's a good book. Last week, we looked at Mary's song. Um, Mary uh, receives a message from the angel Gabriel. She's going to have a child. The child's going to be the Messiah. Uh, that is unsettling news at best, but Mary responds with worship. She just breaks out and says, praise God, praise God. And so uh, if you want to, if you miss that and want to hear that, you can check that out on the podcast. But uh, we've been focusing on the life of Mary and kind of uh, her role in the birth of Jesus over the last few weeks. Today I want to shift our focus a little bit and talk about Joseph. Joseph is probably the, uh, I suppose, lesser known of Jesus' parents. Uh, Our title this morning, go ahead and put it up if you could, please. Where's my, oh, Thomas left me. He went back to help the kids. He's doing double duty today. Did you find it? There it is. Life Interrupted is our title. So let's pray and uh, we'll get into it. Father, uh, just enlighten the eyes of our hearts this morning. We want to we drink of your word. We want to grow and be filled with the word of God this morning. In your name we pray, amen. All right, let's go ahead and look at the uh, passage at the very beginning of the Gospel of Luke. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius, Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their town to register. Uh, the Roman Empire had spread, uh, you know, far and wide, and Caesar didn't really even know how many people he was ruling over. And so he uh, commands the census to be taken there. Um, statistical sort of record-keeping was not quite as sophisticated as ours today. So people had to return to their hometown where their family was from. Go ahead and hit the next uh, slide. So, Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. I want to go ahead and look at um, the parallel passage in Matthew this morning. Matthew gives us a little bit of background previous to what Luke tells us. Matthew says, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to law and not, did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And when Joseph woke up, He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. I have a couple of questions for you this morning, just things to ponder. So the first is, do you believe that God can speak to you? Uh, I think, you know, sometimes uh, our, our, our study in Luke so far 
you know, we're only a chapter, we're just starting chapter 2. It's been filled with God speaking, God speaking to different people throughout. And sometimes I think our mindset, our tendency, well, they're the people in the Bible. But, but let me ask you this question, who was Joseph before he was the guy in the Bible? Uh, he was a guy, he was a dude. He was a contractor. He's just out hammering nails. He's just a guy. And God spoke to him. So first question, do you believe God can speak to you? And second question, and maybe more important of the two is, if you do believe God can speak to you, are you willing to allow God to interrupt your life? Joseph is a guy that we don't know a whole lot about, really. There's not too much in Scripture about him. Um, Culturally, we said a couple weeks ago, Mary would have been quite young, and that would be true of Joseph as well. Culturally speaking, uh, people would get married at around 14 or 15 years old, so Joseph was a teenager. Uh, He's a small-town guy, carpenter, blue-collar worker, just going about his business. He has pledged to get married to his sweetheart. Uh, They're going to get married, and at this point, as we said, during this time of the pledge before the marriage, Joseph would be building a house and making the preparations to start their new life together. So, you know, you could think about that. That's a great time. It's a great place to be in life. We're getting married. We're going to, you know, have this family. It's going to be wonderful. And then he finds out that Mary is pregnant. Now, that is, uh, that's not good news. That's kind of heartbreaking, actually. I think if you're Joseph, that's the very, very last thing you ever want to hear. Mary, um, you okay over here? God, it's just... Mary has a story. Uh, She has an explanation of sorts, but it's a little far-fetched, to be honest. It's kind of crazy. Um, Joseph is a good guy. He could have made a big stink about this, could have kind of gone public, you know, disgraced Mary, told everybody what a bad person she was, et cetera, et cetera. You know, posted things on Facebook and Twitter. He could have gone Twitter wild. Um, but he says, no, I'm not going to do that. I, I'm just going to walk away. Just walk away, move on with my life. And uh, after Joseph makes that decision, an angel of the Lord comes to visit him. We were, we were told earlier it was angel Gabriel that came to Zechariah and then Gabriel that came again to Mary. We don't know if this was Gabriel or another angel. But it's interesting. The message from the angel is always the same. They always start with, don't be afraid. Just by the way, when you, I have people tell me they see angels before. I go, what do they say? Well, in Scripture, they always say, don't be afraid. Uh, so I don't know. But this one doesn't say, don't be afraid of me necessarily, but don't be afraid to go ahead and take Mary as your wife because what she's told you is, in fact, true. As wild as her story sounds, that's actually what has really happened. And Joseph hears this. He wakes up, and he says, yes, I'll do it. Now, I want to evaluate for a moment, uh, look at this. On one hand, this is kind of a relief, okay? Mary uh, has not been unfaithful. So, so that's, oh, man, that's, I'm, so, I'm glad to hear that. That's good news. On the other hand, though, if I'm Joseph, I'm considering what's going on right now, and I'm thinking, hmm, I think this presents some challenges. Uh, for, first of all, I, I think first and foremost, There's the whole scandal aspect of this. I mean, realistically speaking, very, very culturally inappropriate for a young woman to be pregnant outside of marriage. And 
the angel has given Joseph this assurance that this is legit, that everything's okay, but nobody else has that. And, and frankly, anybody else isn't really going to believe that story. So he's going to have to deal with that whole reality. On top of that, now we've got this road trip. So Caesar wants a census taken, and they've got to go back to where they're from. So he's going to have to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem with a pregnant lady. I don't know if you've ever traveled with a pregnant lady. I'm just saying, it's about 90 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem, okay? The average speed of a donkey is 3.5 miles an hour. Same, about the same as a person. Donkey walking, 3.5 miles an hour. Do the math. We've got about 25 hours of travel time, all right? I'm estimating a woman in a third trimester pregnancy has to pee twice an hour. Is that fair? Yeah. So we're looking at about 50 stops on the journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. I'm just saying that's not a fun road trip. Uh, so that's sort of the immediate situation. But add to that, uh, what's it going to be like to raise this child? Okay. Um, you know, to be honest, there's no books. There's no seminar. There's no parenting class no Dr. Oz, no Dr. Phil, no Dr. Nobody, Dr. Spock. How do you raise the Son of God? I mean, this is, this is uncharted territory here. Joseph has, all of a sudden, a lot on his plate. But he says yes. They go ahead, they make the trip. They arrive, they get to Bethlehem, and the Holiday Inn is full. Tom Bodette didn't leave the light on. Motel 6 is not available. So they end up in a barn. I want to I talk truth in advertising for a minute. Can you uh, put the next the picture up there? I can't see it very well. Turn the lights off for a second. There you go. Yeah. So, so that's an artist's rendition, but... Okay, go ahead and turn it back on. Every manger scene you've ever seen, we have one in our house, and you probably have one in your house, right? It's this peaceful scene. And the animals are always kind of kneeling very nicely around, looking. You know, we sing these songs, Silent Night, Holy Night, All is Calm, All is Bright. I don't, I think that's a lie. I don't think it was a silent night. I mean, have you ever been in a barn? Anybody been in a barn? Kind of noisy, right? A little bit. Uh, A little bit dirty. I, 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 I'm not a barn guy, but I've been in a few barns. The cleanest barn I've ever been in was dirty. It's a barn. And it stinks. Because there's animals in there. And they poop. That's what they do. It's their job. So I don't know that it was... Look, we're we're, we're talking about a child being born, okay? This is not a sterile environment. I don't think this was... The perfect little scene. I, I, my guess is it had to be a little more chaotic. A little later on, Joseph has yet another dream. An angel appears to him again and tells him now, now they've got to flee again. They've got to take another trip. They're going to have to go to Egypt because, in fact, uh, Herod, who is a megalomaniac, an egomaniac, 
is threatened by this child and is concerned that he's going to take his throne away. And so they flee, and this becomes true as well in what is one of the most uh, probably horrific events in human history, the slaughter of the innocents. King Herod has all the male children under the age of two put to death. But Jesus is spared because of the warning that came to Joseph in a dream and because of Joseph's obedience to God. Now, though, they're in a foreign country. Different language, weird food. I'm just saying. What is Joseph thinking on this particular day? You know, I wanted to get married, uh, settle down, house, white picket fence, 2.5 kids, dog. It's the average. Um, But he said yes to God and everything got turned upside down. Joseph said yes to God and his entire life was disrupted. He laid down his plans for God's plan. I, I, I think Joseph is a kingdom hero. I think Joseph is what we all should aspire to be. We have our plans and our goals and our dreams, and those are all good things to have, but every now and then God might speak into that and disrupt that process. And my question is, are we willing to allow God to do that in our lives? It's interesting to me, Joseph didn't live to see Jesus' ministry. Um, He never got to see the fulfillment of what he gave his life for. I don't know what happened to Joseph. Um, My assumption is he died... At a fairly young age, there's no mention of him in Scripture after Jesus' childhood. Uh, There's a point in the Gospel of Mark, I believe, where his family's worried about him, and the disciples say, hey, your mother and brothers are outside. So his family came, but Joseph is not there. And then, of course, at the cross, Mary is there. His, His friends and his disciples, people close to him are all there, but Joseph's not there. So somewhere along the line, uh... Joseph uh, faded and from the scene, and I, I'm assuming passed away. So he never really got to see the fulfillment of what he gave his life for. He lived his entire life unto God, not living the life he wanted because he said yes. So are we willing to do that? And, and here, this thing, here's the key. This is really the key to the whole thing is Joseph had a choice. God always gives us a choice. Uh, that's how it works. God will speak to us, uh, you know, in any number of ways. God might speak through an angel, I don't know, prophetically through another person in a dream, maybe through scriptures. You're reading scripture and something jumps out, you know, that's God. Sometimes it's direct, God speaks to you. There's a lot of ways God can speak to you. But a couple things. We have to, first of all, be listening. And I, my theory is this. It's unproven. But I believe God is speaking to us a whole lot more than we hear. And so, first of all, we've got to be open and just in a place where we can hear God speak. And then we have to be willing, like Joseph, to say, yes, okay, Lord, I'll be obedient. I'll do what you're asking me to do, even if it means a redirect on me. Joseph had a choice, we have a choice, and I'll tell you the truth. I'm going to be really honest with you today. It's a lot easier to say no. Most of the time when God directs us to do something, it's going to present a bigger challenge than if we don't do it. 
Joseph could have, I believe, walked away. He could have found another girl, got married, had the white picket fence, the 2.5 kids, and the dog. Opened a little carp- carpenter shop and lived happily ever after. But he said yes to God, and that never happened. So where, where are our hearts at today? Are we open? Are we willing? Are we listening? Are, are we going to be able to say, yes, Lord? There's an interesting passage in John 12. Go ahead. Jesus is talking about the very dynamic we're talking about here. He says, anyone who loves their life will lose it. Anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. So Jesus is talking about exchanging the life we want for the life that we have in him. He finishes by saying, Father, glorify your name. And then this happens, and this is interesting to me. A voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. I believe there's three groups of people there. He specifies the crowd that was there and heard it, and I think there were some people there that didn't hear anything. They were talking amongst themselves, looking at their phone. I don't know what they're doing. (laughs) And they missed it altogether. And then there was another group of people who said, did you hear that? That sounded like thunder. That's weird. There's no rain, no clouds. It's thundering. And then other people said, no, 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 that was an angel of the Lord. God spoke. There's always two responses. There's two groups of people. There's people that hear and people that don't hear. Pentecost happens. Holy Spirit comes, fills people up. People go, oh, my gosh, those guys are drunk. It's not 5 o'clock anywhere. It's 9 in the morning. Peter says, no, no, no. This is the Holy Spirit. There's two groups of people. There's one that sees, one that hears, one that doesn't. But here's the thing. God hasn't stopped talking to his people. God is very chatty. He wants to speak. I think he is speaking to us all the time. And if we're willing, we'll hear it. At Pentecost, again, Peter says, what Joel has prophesied is coming to pass I'm pouring out my spirit on my sons and my daughters. I'm going to speak to everybody. There's nobody's left out. I, I want to talk to you guys. I, I have things for you. In the Gospel of John, uh, Jesus says this again, chapter 10. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he has brought them, brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Are you a sheep? And do you know his voice? It's just more entertaining here, you know. Um, Do you know his voice? There's a sacrifice. It costs a lot. It costs a lot to follow after God. It really does. But but I'm going to... The other side of that coin is this. I'll tell you that. To be honest... There's a sacrifice to be made, yes, but I will say it's a lot more fun to follow God. It's way more fun. You never know. I've said this before. If you say no to God, you don't respond, you know what's going to happen next. Nothing. If you say yes to God, you don't know what's going to happen next. You don't know. Go over here, talk to that person, say hello, pray for that guy, give some money with. You don't know. It's not a religion, it's an adventure. You don't know what God's going to do when you say yes to him. 
It's way more fun. How do, how do you know, how do you know, this is the thing, how do you know when God is speaking to you? I, I mean, that's a, that's a legit question. It's very, it's very valid. How do you know when it's God? How many of you ever ask that question? Be honest with me. Is this God or is this not God? I, I'm going to tell you this. It's always a risk. It's always a risk because it requires faith. If it didn't require faith and it wasn't a risk, if it wasn't a risk, it wouldn't require faith. Right? We will never be 100% certain. I believe we can learn to hear the voice of God and get better at it. But even as we get better at it, there's always going to be that faith element that says, is this God, where we have to get confirmation, we have to press in a little bit. Because so often, it, it really is, it's a thought, it's an impression, it's this, it's this, this little thing in your head. You know what the voice of God sounds like sometimes? It, 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 it sounds like um, Dennis Haysbert, right? The guy in the, the Allstate commercial. No, it does not sound like that. It sounds like you. It sounds like your own voice. It really does. Uh, I'll tell you a story. Well, I tell you a story. If you guys want to come up and get ready, um, you can. So the first time I remember ever God speaking to me and giving me a word of knowledge for somebody. I was probably 20, and one of the pastors at the church I was at had been invited to come to another church, not a vineyard, and teach an adult ed Sunday school class on healing for four weeks. So four Sundays in a row, he was going to go to this other church and, with their adult education hour and teach on healing. So he asked me, do you want to go along? you want to go with me? I said, sure, I'll go. Why not? So I go with him, and we're two or three weeks into this thing, and he's talking about hearing God's voice one morning, and he's talking about words of knowledge and God speaking and all this stuff. And then he says, okay, it was this classic vineyard stuff. He goes, I'm gonna, we're going to do what we call clinic time. We're going to practice. He goes, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to some of you guys and give you words of knowledge, and then you tell me what you're hearing, and we'll see if those people are here, and we'll pray for them. Sounds good. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's right. I've heard this a hundred times. So he prays, and he asks God to give words of knowledge. And almost immediately, I have this thought, there's someone here with a hormone imbalance. But almost as immediately as I have that thought, I have the thought, oh, no, that's not God. That's just me. I'm just making that up. I'm just making that up. So a couple more people share things that they said, and they, people raise their hand, and, oh, yeah, that's me. And okay, and they're going and going. And I'm continuing to have this thought. It will not go away. Somebody here has a hormone imbalance. And I keep thinking, no, no, that can't be God. That's just me. I'm just making that up. Now understand context. The guy just prayed and asked the Lord to speak and give words of knowledge, and I'm getting a word of knowledge, and I keep thinking it's just me. Okay? Hello? Uh, God is funny though he has a sense of humor because then I have this thought well that's just me I'm just I'm making that up when was the last time you ever thought about a hormone imbalance <laughs> and I realized you know I don't think I've ever thought a hormone, about a hormone imbalance in my entire life so I, I raise my hand. I go, yeah, I, I think somebody has a hormone balance. And this woman goes, oh, that's me. I just went to the doctor this week, and they told me about this thing, and now I have to take this medicine. So we prayed for her. 
So I'm just saying, you learn to hear the voice of God. It's it's not an exact science. There's a risk involved. But as we open our hearts, God speaks, and then we have to be willing. We have to be willing to surrender our lives to God. I, I, I I would encourage you. My encouragement today is this. Say yes. Allow God to speak in your life. Be like Mary, be like Joseph, and say yes. Allow God to interrupt your life and see what he might not do next. Amen? Let's stand.